I can't help but give you praise when I remember who you are. We're, we're starting um, a series today on gratitude, on, on this giving of thanks, uh, living a life of thanksgiving. I don't know if it captures it much better than that. Not being able to help but give you praise when I remember who, who you are. I don't know about you, but it's been kind of a tough week, a rough week. Many times we have worship uh, our worship team or those that are teaching as they're coming in and we kind of take rotation and on that week when we're preparing on that week where we're digging in and kind of clearing our mind and clearing our heart and, and focusing on him we're hit with distractions we're hit with situations we're hit with life um, and so that's that's happened and so I just want to I want to pray this morning as we as we begin Heavenly Father God you are in control you are in control of all things you're in control of all situations and God and when we focus on who you are. When we focus on what has been done for us, in lieu of who we are, regardless of what we have done, no matter where we find ourselves, that we can come to you and that you will extend us grace and mercy and love. And so, God, we come to you now as a body, as a church, as individuals. Just sitting before you, opening your word to look at what it means to be grateful and gratitude. But, God, just praising you for that mercy, for that grace, for that love that in our humanly nature we are not worthy. But you paid that ultimate sacrifice and God that we can come before you and pour out our hearts and so we do that this morning. We're going to be in a couple of kind of maybe non-traditional passages this morning as we kind of kick off or start looking at living this life of thankfulness, this, this idea of gratitude. And, uh, and first we'll be uh, in Genesis 8, uh, and then uh, we're going to kind of take a, a glimpse 
um, of the Passover in Exodus um, 12. Um, I don't know, uh, we haven't been uh, to a, a, a funeral or a celebration of life recently, um, but have found myself in those times, and maybe you have as well. When we, when we come together, when we mourn the loss of someone, and maybe someone that we, that we uh, admire or, or see the achievements in their lives and how they live their lives, it begins to cause us to reflect. It begins us to, we often look inwardly in those times to kind of evaluate our own life's significance. As if maybe the, the, the grief or the shock, anger, whatever emotions are, are going on in that time has given us this, this past to consider our own experiences this side of, of heaven. And while we wrestle with those questions or that significance, it, we ask ourselves questions. You know, what's most important in life? What, are, what do I, how do I fully live? Well, I leave a le legacy for those that are left behind me. How do I build something in this life that to carry me into this eternal life if we have if we have placed our faith in in Christ? And as humans, we we often desire a life a life of worth, a, a, of significance. It's just really part of our DNA. And although significance, obviously, is, can many times be in the, the eye of the beholder, if we believe our life carries a, a weight of goodness and benefits the world and those we love, we, we will desire to leave this world knowing it's served a purpose. We want our lives to matter, right? So what? makes our lives significant. We know that work, play, community, home, maybe even investments or service that we that we give can add lives, add value to our lives, but they don't define it, right? So if I want my life to be significant, what underlying values or, or, or practices should I be putting into place or participating in so that it's significant now? The Bible says the practice of gratitude gives us a life here and after of significance, of gratitude. And through gratitude, we appreciate life's goodness and compels us to long to pay that forward. Gratitude creates within us a, a deep sense of happiness, of satisfaction, and in turn can enrich our relationships, nurture the formation even of new friendships. Really underlies the, real, 
the very foundation of the human, our human society. And so, what is gratitude? We say gratitude. Well, gratitude's the practice of actively, so that's key. It's the practice of actively remembering and expressing the grace. And what's grace? Benefits that we don't deserve and goodness given in our lives. So it's the actively remembering and expressing the grace and goodness shown and given in our lives. We have this innate desire to show gratitude for the goodness and grace we receive. And so this first passage, I admit, before I started digging in and really looking and studying, I had kind of, like maybe many of you, had kind of skipped over what was going on in this passage for the greater picture. But in Genesis 8... uh, Early in the Bible, we witness one of these first acts of gratitude through the life of Noah. And so I'm going to read Genesis uh, 8, starting in 13, down to about 20. In the 601st year, in the first month, in the first day of the month, the waters were dried from off the earth. So Noah has spent over a year in the boat, the ark, um, and the floods came just as God had told, and now the floods, waters have receded. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth had dried out. Then God said to Noah, go out from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you everything that uh, every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing and every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by families from the ark. And then Noah built an altar an altar to the Lord and took some of the very every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And so after being on the ark for approximately an entire year, Noah walks off the boat and then Noah builds an altar to the Lord. Noah's first recorded act was this act of gratitude. And when listening to this or or reading the story, this act of worship many times is read over. Um, It appears to be this simple practice, like this normal thing that you would do. Um, And so... He's been on the ark for years. He walks off. Noah makes this conscious decision. The very first thing he'll do is say thank you. But here's what we've got to look at. Here's what we've got to realize. At this time, in ancient Near Eastern civilization, God had not given commandments or statutes regarding any kind of worship. 
at this time. Organized religion and faith practices were still a thousand years away, given in Exodus 20. No one in, in his family had been the only followers of God amongst a society of evil heathens. And therefore, this was the singular practice to God, not a communal practice of his people. This is something that just he, his family, did. And so offering a sacrifice of thanksgiving was not this like social, religious, economic habit of his day. Like, man, we're really blessed. We need to offer this sacrifice of thanksgiving. No, there was no, like that's, this is the first recorded time that this takes place. Now, they had pagan worship and and many times, though a sacrifice was made, it was offered to appease the gods and keep them happy so that then they would receive good fortune. This was, Noah didn't offer a sacrifice out of the need to have good fortune. It was a desire to keep God happy or appease him. He offered this sacrifice out of a heart of gratitude. So his natural inclination upon leaving this ginormous wooden box, right, was thank you. And there's so many different things that, that, that Noah could have done as he left that ship. So... We're going to continue in Genesis because then we see recorded for us how, God's, how God responds to this act of gratitude, right? And so if we continue on in 21, and when the Lord smelled this pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from its youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every little living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and, day and night shall not cease. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And so as the aroma of Noah's sacrifice drifted up to the Lord, his heart was touched, and in turn he said, I will never again curse the ground because of man's evil heart or kill every creature. God blesses Noah. Blessing Noah was not a response to anything Noah had earned. His blessings were not because he, he was the stellar ship captain, right? He kept the morale of his crew in high spirits or having completed the ark by God's specific building code that he received. Nor was it this reward for his exceptional care of, of God's last remaining creatures on earth. Noah's blessing was not a response to his obedience, although blessings do come from choosing obedience but in this passage we see we learn Noah received his blessing because he chose to worship and that pleased God because his heart was thankful 
Noah's emotions overflowed into this act of gratitude, this, this offering. The English, uh, the English word gratitude stems from the Latin word gratia, and, which means to give thanks. Um, and the Bible takes this one word definition even further. In the Bible, this gratitude is the word uh, eucharista. Eucharista. Which stems from the word charis, which means grace. And we get Eucharist and this remembrance. But this charis, grace, a, a, a favor, an, a, an act of goodwill and loving kindness for which we don't deserve. Eucharista is an offering of thanks out of the abundance of grace that's shown to us. And it's to give thanks to the Lord with pleasure and delight because we have received delight and pleasure from His charis, His grace. Eucharista is, is not a horizontal practice. It's not a give and take to and from. Grace doesn't travel one way and then come back again. This Eucharista is, is reciprocal. It's in this, it's a cycle of giving and receiving. It's, it's a grace abounding. In Psalm 51, 15 through 17, the, the Bible tells us that God does not desire sacrifice for sacrifice's sake, but that he delights in our expression, our declared praise and, praise and adoration. And this is an outward expression of what's going in in our heart, right? And so maybe you've heard oh, in the past what's needed and what I needed coming to Christ was a heart change. Because what is in the heart then spills out into your life. And that's what we see the writer speaking of in Psalms 51. And by Choosing to practice gratitude, we choose the grace that God has freely offered us and offer it freely back to Him and, and to others. It's important to note that gratitude, the gratitude that we're talking about is much more than a thank you, this utterance of, of thank you. And practicing this Eucharista follows, uh, flows out of a sentiment of thankfulness, gratitude for God's grace um, is more than just this mere recognition, but it's a heartfelt response, and then it demands that we express this response. There was a, uh, a an, it wasn't an article, but it was just a capturing of uh, of a story that transpired um, where a police officer, there, there, there was a man um, that wanted to, or his intent was to take his own life uh, by jumping off a, a building. Um, and the police officers responded, and when they res arrived at the scene, the man on the ledge uh, positioned himself as he was going to jump, and in his main, the core of 
what he was communicating to him and what he felt was no one loves me, nobody cares if I die, no one will miss me. And the officer said it was as if this man's despair was painfully evident as he repeated this over and over again. There was no love, no one cares, no one will miss me. And as the officers continued to try and position themselves and, and try and, you know, literally talk him off the ledge, um, they realized that it was just amplifying the situation. And he would continue, continued on, and one of the officers, it just, as he witnessed what was going on, it just struck him. And in that moment, he tells him, I love you. I love you. I love this man. I, lo- I-, I care for this man. And so what this officer then began to share with him on the, this guy, man on the ledge is this intrinsic feeling of love that he had for him. And as the man continued to, to vocalize his brokenness, the officer, the officer just continually stated and restated, don't jump, I love you, you are loved, you are not alone, someone cares for you, I care for you, I love you. It was just repeated over and over again, and, and the article or the, the news story just testified that these officers literally witnessed a transformation of this man. And as the officer that was working closely with him continued to tell him that he loved him and climbed out onto the ledge, he took that man in his arms and and that man just began sobbing and, and embraced him as he continued to repeat that he loved him. And when the reporters asked the officer after the fact why he felt this way towards some man that he'd never met and never knew and probably would have never met in his entire life, the officer replied that, I I just felt I loved him, even though I, I didn't even know him, and it broke my heart to see him feel so unloved. He said, because I'm loved, I knew I loved him. And so this is God's grace poured out in an expression of love. When we receive God's grace in our life, we naturally want and should want to express it. We don't always know how it will come out be used or where it will go, but when this grace is received, it desires to be expressed. And so it's easy to recognize God's grace in our life when, it's, when life's greater needs are met, right? Or, or when we're the recipient of unmerited generosity. As parents and made me think of this and we have many kind of trials and and uh, 
things that we uh, are challenges in raising our kids, our our two littles. Um, as parents, we try, and specifically, it made me think of uh, raising this polite and kind of emotionally aware children, and in many times, it made me think of like that say thank you, that, that are grateful, right? You say thank you. At a children's birthday party, if, if someone uh, is gracious enough and give them a gift, you say, well, what do you tell, you know, what do you tell them? Say, say thank you, you know, say thank you. At the grocery store, pre-COVID, you could always go over to the bakery, and and they would ha- gladly to to kids. They look weird when I ask for one, but they would give free cookies. Um, and it's like before that cookie even hit their hand, it's like, so what do you tell the you know what do you tell the lady? What do you tell the gentleman? They say thank you implying there there's to be this response of, of gratitude for this free and undeserved um, gift. And as parents, I would even venture to say that, that some of our most humiliating parenting moments arise from our children's ungrateful behavior, right? When words and actions perce- are perceived as this disrespect, I've, I've also said, and I have heard my parents mimic the same, be, be respectful, say thank you. However, when it comes to some of the smaller graces in our life, or, or even these more subtle, let's say, graces in life, because we don't necessarily feel them at that moment, we often fail to recognize, right, God's, this, God's abundant grace throughout our day. And so this litmus test for for actively identifying God's grace in our lives is in and of itself our practice of gratitude. So when when God hear so does God hear me offer caris for his caris in my life? Is it only at the dinner table when I'm in a rush to fill my stomach, right? How does my response to his grace sound? Do I contemplate his grace and and say thank you out of this intentional reflection of the goodness and kindness he's given to me? Or do I just repeat the same four lines before I go to bed, you know, each night? Do I take the time to consider moments of God's goodness? And kindness throughout my day. When when I get up in the morning, do I do I say as David did, "Thank you, God, for another morning with new mercies." Many of us wake up thinking, "I get to do this all over again." <laughs> I have to do this all over again, maybe not even get. When we slow down, we take the the time to recognize this grace in our life. As believers, we we will desire this Eucharista. There's this ritual tucked 
Um, and, and we're talking about this remembering aspect. And there's this ritual tucked in the middle of the Passover story. Um, and again, it's one of those things I've read many times, but then you don't, until you kind of really put a little bit of perspective on it, it takes on some additional weight and some additional meaning. Um, but the Lord in, in Exodus 12 is giving Moses and Aaron kind of the outlining what's to take place. And in, in, in verse 2, this month shall be for you the beginning of months, and it shall be the first month of the year. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. If the, lamb, if the household's too small, split it with you know, a neighboring household. Um, and you will go out and, and you shall kill the lambs at twilight, and they shall take some of the blood, put it on the two doors po- doorposts and the lintel of the house. Uh, they shall eat at, uh, at the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread, bitter herbs, and they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, or but roasted. Um, and it goes on to give the specifics. Um, it says this, this blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you uh, when I strike the land in Egypt. And so before Passover night, the Lord gave these clear and precise instructions to the Israelite people regarding the actual Passover event, how the Israelites were, go- were to leave Egypt and the ritual and practices of the Passover um, for generations and generations and generations to come. And after directing the Israelites in the events of the Passover night, Moses then informs the Israelites that, they're, that they will be practicing a feast um, and the rituals for all the generations, and, and then speaking on behalf of God in 12, uh, 24 through 27, Moses says, uh, you must keep this command as a law for you and your descendants from now on. Do this when you go to the land the Lord has promised to give you. When your children ask you, why are you doing these things, you will say, this is the Passover sacrifice to honor the Lord. When we were in Egypt, the Lord passed over the houses of Israel, and when, he, uh, and when he killed the Egyptians, he saved our homes, and then the people bowed down and worshiped the Lord. So God, God knows we can be forgetful. He also knows that, that nations, he's seen his nation commonly repeat the same mistakes throughout history for one primary reason is they lose focus. They forget the lessons of their past. And God knew that if he didn't set some future practices in place to help the Israelites remember their salvation from Egypt, that they may eventually forget this act of grace that was done for them. And so they built into this, when, you're, when the children would ask, why do we practice the Passover? God wanted the adults to respond by remembering the Passover. And it doesn't specifically say gratitude, but that is what is, that's what's meant. 
It's this implied, this gratitude for their salvation. He builds it into this practice in this ritual. And although the word gratitude isn't mentioned, it's this implied as part of their salvation's ongoing work. And so if they wanted to live as a nation of significance and not fall back into a nation of slaves, once again, they had to practice remembering God's grace in their life. So the Passover was way more than just a ritual. It was a practice of gratitude. So practicing gratitude, receiving, expressing God's grace, that's the foundation for building our lives upon. This is what we would consider this deep and meaningful life. Gratitude is this fluid virtue, right? It's other and other virtues such as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, thankfulness, self-control. We see in Galatians 5, the, the fruits of the Spirit. Piggyback upon intentionally giving and receiving God's grace, this practice of gratitude. And most, if not all, virtues are built upon living out that state of gratitude. It's interesting. Research shows that the desire to express and receive gratitude stems from our biological roots put there. Roots that appear to be embedded in our history, the structure of our brains, child development, and although gratitude can be heavenly, heavily influenced by society, our culture, it appears to be this inherent part of human nature, even, even animals such as chimpanzees, fish, birds, bats, uh, man, many different species of animals can exhibit this desire to receive and express gratitude. In, in nature, they call it reciprocal altruism. And so it's the, through reciprocal altruism, they initiate this behavior that helps another, an unrelated individual, even at a cost to themselves. So this fish would do something that benefits this other fish, even if it call, would potentially bring him in harm's way. Because they innately have that this reciprocal altruism, this gratitude built into their DNA, our desire to express, receive, and give grace is what makes life significant. And so when we ask ourselves what's most important, we must assess it within the realm of grace. What's most important in life must be framed by within the realm of grace. And if practicing gratitude is the virtue that surpasses all other virtues, then anything of importance would have to be built upon living out God's grace. 
Now, as that officer talked the man off the ledge, right, something deeply ingrained in his human nature inspired him to share what he felt in his own life. He was able to share grace because he had received grace. And so our challenge this week then becomes what simple but very profound is this. For us to meditate on the things that we're grateful for. Where have you seen the grace, this unmerited kindness and generosity of God in our lives? And not for a fleeting moment, but to meditate, to steep in that. And then God's word always enlightens but then calls to action as we meditate on those things that we are grateful for, we must identify areas in our life where we can extend grace. Where can we extend grace, this unmerited kindness and generosity towards those around us? How are we blessed and how may we bless others? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we just, we long, I long um, to live a life full of giving grace. Um, because I know more than anyone around me that I, I have received just immeasurable grace in my life and God it's my prayer this morning if there's someone here that just feels that they cannot come to you because they are just not worthy that if they feel that they want to they can't come to you until they get their act together or until they start living a life worthy of following you. God, my prayer is that we would come to an understanding that none of us hit that mark. None of us are truly worthy, but you give freely. That is the definition of grace. And so, God, maybe even for the first time this morning, we may just cry out to you. Take the, take the steering wheel. Lead this ship. Be the Lord of my life. And those of us that that have placed you, Lord, at, at the helm of our ship, but continually grab the wheel. God, we just pray that you would be guiding, that you would be directing, that you would be the one at the helm. 
show us what it means to, to live a life of gratitude, and live a life of thanksgiving. And get, continue to give us the grace and the, and the mercy and the love to be able to do that. And we pray these things in your son Jesus Christ's name. Amen. We have a time this morning that we can come together and share in communion, share in this remembrance, this remembrance of this grace and mercy and love that was poured out for us, these emblems, that broken body, that shed blood, that ultimate sacrifice that was made on our behalf. And so we have four different stations around the room for you to be able to come and partake, whether you take the emblems there at the table, you take them back, maybe you gather with a group. This is a time that we would remember that. So I invite you to come to the communion table this morning.